Join us, friends. Great Scott Spa Guy. Do they know what we have in store for them? They will if they tighten up. And don't double dribble. To the Grey Ghost Spa Guy? Exactly, old chum. No time to waste. To the Grey Ghost. We have not a minute to spare. It's showtime, friends. All right, all right, all right. It is the Spa Guy, and it is... Globe trotting with Trey. And we are not wishing Cotton was a monkey, but you know there's some people that are... Wishing Cotton was a monkey. Why? We don't know. Why, Trey? You know what, Billy? I I, I didn't even get to go to sleep last night because I stayed up all night wondering why. You know, and I, I, I look up at the ceiling and I was thinking like, man, why do people wish Cotton was a monkey? That's right. So they just do. They just do. <laughs> so what we're going to talk about today, friends, is a three-hour tour. Water started getting rough. The tiny ship was tossed. And if it wasn't for its fearless crew, Glow Trotting with Trey and the spa guy. Would be lost. Been lost. That's right. So what we're talking about is in Memphis, during the Elvis weeks, I'm going to say Elvis weeks because you have Elvis week, January, birthday week. And then you have Elvis week, August, death week. Um, which they don't call it death week. They just call it Elvis week. But the reality is, is he passed on August 16th and it's during that time. We do uh, what we call bus tours where we have a, uh, a small bus. It'll only hold between 13 and 15 people. And we take you on that bus and take you all over Memphis to obscure Elvis things, but it's not just Elvis. We talk about other things that are that are famous, if you will, to Memphis. But the main crux of this tour is the king of rock and roll, the original, original, original Elvis Presley that reinvented himself not one time, not two times, but three times. And so if you're not an Elvis fan, Trey and I have videos on both of our channels. Mine is called Spa Guy. His is called Globetrotting with Trey. And if you want to know about Elvis, you can find out about Elvis. And I don't mean, I don't mean the, the cliche, this lowly truck driver walked into Sun Studios and recorded a record for his mama. That is the accepted story and none of it's true, by the way. And on our three-hour tour, we may explain why. And we will explain why. We get into a lot of that kind of stuff. And we do uh, what we call Elvis Advanced Tour 1, Elvis Advanced Tour 2. And we also do sometimes, I don't think we set one up this year because we don't have a lot of people doing it, but we would do a kind of an Elvis basic history tour. But most of the people that would, I feel like would come to Graceland would watch our videos, probably know the at least an outline of the Elvis story. And unless you know an outline of the story, a lot of the things we're going to show you are not really going to make a lot of sense. But we don't just do Elvis, as I mentioned. We touch on uh, different things. We touch on Michael Jackson, Martin Luther King, or actually the Jackson 5, I should say. Martin Luther King. That's a cool location. It is. Aretha Franklin. Aretha, yeah. Uh, who else? Um and um, the guy that founded FedEx. Uh, oh, yeah, Fred Smith. Um, that's that's a good point. 
there's, you know, there's, we're not going to tell them all because, you know, there's got to be a surprise effect to this. Uh, but it's really cool what we do, Billy, because this is what, what you and I are doing basically, man, is why I was a fan of Elvis Presley. And when I first would go to Memphis, these are the places that I wanted to learn about and find. And, you know, I, I did a little bit. Um, but, man, the tour that we provide, I'm telling you, uh, yeah, every person that we've asked so far that I've interviewed, you know, I asked them to speak from the heart and be, you know, honest, honest to us. And, man, I, I love everything that each person has has said as far as how much they've enjoyed spending those three hours and sometimes four, four and a half hours with you and I. And uh, but, but going back to that is what I was meaning is when I first became a fan of Elvis and I went to Memphis, of course, you got to see Graceland and you, you have to you have to, um, I guess, experience the 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 airplanes and the cars and stuff. But after you do that one time, it's the same stuff. You know, Billy, it's like, you know, if I go back to Graceland next week, I'm going to see the same jumpsuit and the same cars that I saw in 2010. The only difference is they put a different background behind on a wall and they changed the jumpsuit from that room to the room behind it. And then put a whole new spin like it's some some kind of new exhibit. And uh, but, yeah, that's great and cool and stuff. But there's more to Elvis than Graceland because Elvis lived in Memphis. And when he first moved there from Tupelo, those were his his years, his high school years. And when he's dating and when he's at the diners and when he's riding around town with his boys and when he uh, becomes a, a superstar, the, you know, there's so much that happened that's not at Graceland that is so important to him being able to be up at that hill, that mansion on that hill at Graceland. So, yeah, you got to experience Graceland. But, man, I, I believe for any person that would love to, to learn a little bit more about Elvis Presley. Uh, this rock and roll superstar and a real man, a real guy, hometown guy in Memphis. I believe this three hour tour, I'm not just saying it because it's me and you doing this. I would do this if I was not a fan, because this is the type of stuff that I love. This is the type of stuff that just fascinates me when we can go and show you that right there, guys, where you're standing at. Elvis took this girl to this place on this date, 1953. This is what happened there. Yeah, right where you're standing. Once upon a time. What you think, yeah. And the whole well, the whole point of this of this thing, I believe, I, I think the point of what both you and I do is, as far as for the Elvis story, and I think uh, for other people's stories as well, uh, like James Dean, you know, we've done some James Dean stuff and Marilyn Monroe and and uh Johnny Cash and all of them. Uh, for for Elvis, I think that for a lot of people, they can't they they see this guy, but but it's almost like he's too far. He's a superstar, and he's too far to reach. What we want to do is take you to the nuts and bolts of his life. In and we cover all kinds of different eras of things that happened uh, when we take you around. But what we're trying to do is show you paint the picture of a real person and a timeline how what it was like before he became famous how did he become famous when did it happen what happened the days before that what happened the days after that 
just and what I'm talking about is the day that he recorded That's All Right Mama, which is kind of the pivot point. I just put out a video um, uh, yesterday, uh, and that'll it, it doesn't really matter what day it is because you could listen to this 100 years from now. But uh, I put out a video yesterday where I, I actually take you to the apartment. What happened was is um, Scotty Moore was asked by Sam Phillips on a Saturday on July the 3rd, uh, 1954, if he would be interested in auditioning someone for him and Bill to try to do something with. And he said, sure. So he called Elvis that afternoon on a Saturday and asked him to come to his house and audition on Sunday at 12 o'clock, July the 4th, 1954. And we actually take you to that apartment. Now we can't go in because there's someone living there, but I'll take you and show you where that's at. And in the video that I just put out, I actually have an interview with Bobby, which was Scotty's wife at the time, Scotty's second wife. And she describes what happened that day, what it looked like Elvis looked like when she opened the door and let him in her house. And <laughs> so think and, about that, Julian, hold your thought. Think about yeah. that. Take you to that house where if Scotty Moore's wife did not open that door for this weird looking kid that afternoon, there's no three hours here today. Yeah. But There's no Elvis right there where that history took place. Now it's the most interesting street in Memphis. And it's a place that none of you probably would go alone. And none of you should go. <laughs> and none of you should go alone. And, and why we're not going to say it here because you got to uh, get on that bus with us, but you'll understand it when we pull on that street and spy yeah. guy and I start talking because the same fellas are going to be right there on that street corner. I can see them right now. They're Every probably time. It's about nine o'clock. They're probably having a good old time right now in Memphis on that street corner. They're going to be there in August. <laughs> they were yeah. there last year. They were there the year before. They're going to be yeah. there this year. You just got to uh, experience it and see what we're talking about. But that's an example of what we're talking about. We take you to where that happened at. But we also, after that happened, when they recorded That's All Right Mama the very next night, uh, then they had to start practicing because they were going to start doing shows. We take you to the place where they practiced at which is uh, in a part of town that Elvis ended up moving to very shortly after that, just two years after that, in fact, um, and becoming a millionaire. I mean, in no time, just down the street. In fact, um, there, there's a famous photos of Elvis uh, playing football, December of 1956, where he's playing football in 1956, and at the time, he's a millionaire. Just, let's see, let's go back. December of 55, December of 54. So two and a half years before that, he goes into Scotty Moore's apartment, which is maybe four blocks away. So four, two years later, he's a millionaire. From the time that he walks and knocks on that door and goes in that house and auditions for Scotty Moore, Five blocks later, four blocks away, literally, that's how close those two spots are. He is a gazillionaire. Yeah. And a movie star. And the best part about that, guys, is you're going to see some photos from that day on of Elvis playing football. And the homes all surrounding Elvis, they're still there. 60. It's in the pictures. Later. Yeah. But I just find that fascinating that he um, goes – innocently 
to Scotty Moore's apartment to audition, hoping that he has a chance to do something, mm-hmm. to sing, hoping, not knowing, hoping. The day before he had attended, actually two days before, uh, he had attended a funeral of someone that he really looked up to that had died in an airplane crash on Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, and he cried on Thursday. They actually died on Wednesday, which would have been the last day of June 1954 was when the plane crash was. On July the 1st, which was a Thursday, he actually goes to his girlfriend's house. They walk a couple of blocks down the street and cry on a park bench because his friends had gotten killed. We take you to that park and show you where that happened at. We show you where she lived at. So what I'm saying is in this, we're not just telling you stories. And look, there's nothing wrong with Graceland. There's not. But it's the same. I went there the first time in 1988 and it looks exactly like it did in 1988. Virtually nothing has changed as far as the house. Have they got different exhibits now? Yeah, but it's the same stuff as you mentioned, just rearranged. It's rearranged. But it's the same stuff. I don't care. There what- is nothing new in the Elvis world except for stories. And that's what we do. We bring you new Elvis stories. We're constantly uncovering things. I was lucky enough to uh, prove that the bicycle that hung in the smokehouse at Graceland since 1957, when he moved there, that bike, according to Jerry Schilling, was, uh, was wired up in the corner of that smokehouse. And it was there until I made a video and proved that that was his first bicycle. That's when they pulled it down, restored it, and put it in the museum. I was lucky enough to make that discovery, prove it, whatever you want to call it, that's what happened. I was able to prove enough so that they took it down and restored it, and it had been there since 1957. I was lucky enough, and Trey was with me that day, to find the ambulance that they transported Elvis in on August 16th, 1977. Nobody even knew it even existed. And I was able to track it down and find it. And Trey was with me. Tell us about that day, Trey. That was our uh, first day, Billy. First day we filmed together. Uh, we left a really cool location where Rex Mansfield and Elvis uh, had photos captured. So cool. House still there. We were just in that area. And you said, hey, man, we got to go and, and check this out. We rode there and I can still see it right now. We turn right into that driveway. There it is, way back there in the backyard. And luckily, I was with you because I was able to capture you seeing it for the first time because this was your baby. This was something you've been researching for three or four years. And I was able to capture that first uh, a shot of you seeing that ambulance for the first time. And, uh, and, and the best part about it, it was August the 16th. It was. It was 41 years to the day that... Sadly, they transported Elvis in that vehicle to try to save his life to Baptist Memorial Hospital, downtown Memphis. Sadly, they did not save his life, but that is the vehicle that he was transported in. And I think that it is an important part of history. Another thing that uh, was discovered was the location of the bicycle picture that has always been said. It was actually published in Vanity Fair in the magazine saying that that picture was taken in, in Tupelo. I proved that it was taken in Memphis and where it was proved at. 
where it was taken at. Uh, you recently did one where uh, there's a photo of a lady that we thought was Pat, which was June Juanico's friend that lived in Biloxi, Elvis's girlfriend in Biloxi. You were able to show that lady a photograph of her and Elvis that was taken in 1956 that she's never seen before. Tell us about that. I found this lady. She still lives in Biloxi. And I invited her to, um, to a restaurant. And I brought the photo. And she looked at it. I, first off, when I first saw Roseanne, I knew automatically it was her. I mean, she she's still the girl. She still hadn't changed at all. Just got a little older. But she has not changed her hair and everything. Still real short. <laughs> but anyway, Pat Napier started it because Pat told me that is not her. And she wanted to correct that because it's all, you know, people think that that's Pat. That is not me, Trey. So I said, Pat, I'm going to find this girl. So anyway, I handed, I, I told Roseanne and it's on my Hello Try with Trey episode. If you haven't uh, watched it, go back and check it out. And I showed her the picture and she said, yeah, that's me. And her friend said, yeah, that's me. I might've been the girl that took the photo. She brought a friend with her that was with her during Elvis time in Biloxi that met Elvis a few times there. So Roseanne had never seen that picture ever, Billy, all these years. So I just, I, I guess I imagine, you know, it's a different time and different place. Not everyone had cameras back then. So I imagine somebody snapped that photo and never gave it to Roseanne. So Roseanne lived her whole life until I came along and never knew that where whatever happened to her photo with Elvis Presley. And it was at Gulf Hills in Ocean Springs where we stayed. Mm-hmm. And see, that's the kind of stuff that I'm talking about. And what I mean by that is, is it's kind of like everything is all coming. All of the Elvis history is all coming together in one place to be discovered. And, and because we're digging, we're finding this and finding that and, and getting this person's perspective in that picture. And for instance, it's always been said on the internet that that photo was Pat Napier. We had never seen Pat. We had talked to her on the phone. We'd never put our eyes on it. So it was Pat that said, that that is not me. And then you did the research and figured it out. So now that's just another myth that was busted. Martha, I mentioned Martha, Martha Eberman, who played, was Ann Ray, who played with Elvis in New Orleans. She was a singer. Google her on my YouTube show. There's great episodes with Martha. I showed the photo of Martha. And Martha had a friend there. And they said, you know what? That looks like Roseanne. So we called Roseanne. Sure enough, Roseanne, I asked Roseanne, I said, hey, Roseanne, by any chance back in 1956, now I know it's been a long time, Roseanne, but did you uh, meet Elvis when he was in town? Yeah. All right, I have a photo of Roseanne, and I think it's you. And that's what led to me showing Roseanne the picture. So you see how when we find people that has a story with Elvis, it sometimes, guys, leads to about three or four other people that have fascinating stories with Elvis. And then I find out Elvis was seeing another girl in Biloxi. Roseanne and, and her friend told me about her because her friend saw Elvis making out with her in that girl's, she was a real beautiful girl, making out with her after the show in the back of the, of the venue there at uh, Keesler. And 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 the friend of Roseanne, which you're going to see in the show, her mama ran the ran the uh, Air Force Base at when Elvis played there. She ran the the club. 
the club. Yeah, Kiss Wire Air Force Base, yeah. She, she ran the club, the, the club that always played there at the Air Force Base. So you see how things just work out, and then you start learning and meeting other people. And the best thing is everyone has a story. And and we're here, we're like news reporters. We're after that story. And like Billy, you said something I, I, that stood out just a moment ago. The only new things for Elvis Presley is his stories that, that are, can be uncovered and are still out there to be uncovered. And that's what we're trying to do. But the only way you can uncover them is you got to get in your vehicle and you got to go places and you got to talk to people and you got to dig and you got to research. That's how you find things. So early on, I mentioned um, that the cliche Elvis story that this lowly truck driver went into Sun Studios and recorded a record for his mother for her birthday. Everybody knows that story. That's kind of the accepted Elvis narrative. None of that is true. First, Elvis, when he recorded the first time at Memphis Recording Service, it was never Sun Studios ever, not till now. It was Memphis Recording Service and it was Sun Records, which was one of the labels that Sam Phillips had. He had other labels. He had It's the Phillips. There's several different labels that he did, and that was him and Dewey doing something together. But he, there's several different things. So that's one piece of it. Another piece of it is... Um, he was, he did not start driving the truck until April of 1954. That recording happened July or August of 1953. The very first recording, my happiness, which was supposed to be the record that he made for his mother for his for her birthday. Okay. So Elvis's mother's birthday is not in July or August. Okay. The second thing is, is Elvis's friend, Ed Leak which was a high school friend that gave him the $4 to go do the recording. He loaned it to him and encouraged him to go. And Elvis kept putting it off. He was afraid. So Ed said that, uh, that Elvis showed up at his house and walked in the door. Elvis was good enough friends with him that Elvis just walked in the front door and sat on the couch. He didn't knock. And Ed lived there with his mother and Ed said, what's going on, Elvis? He said, he put his head down and said, well, I've done it. He said, you did what? He said, I went over there and recorded, you know, over there at that, at that place. Ed said, where's the record? He said, I left it outside. It's in the planner. Well, go get it. So Elvis went out front. He had left it out in the, didn't bring it in the house, left it outside, went out and got it. And if you go to that house, there's a planner out in front of the house that's still there, made out of bricks from the house. You see what I'm saying? So, it's, 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 But that's how you learn this stuff. You go and you learn and you talk to people. Anyway, so Ed said that he came in the house. They went upstairs. He had a record player up there, and he played that record. Elvis listened to it and said, okay, left the record there and left. Ed Leak had that record the rest of his life until he died. When he died, his niece that was actually help was dealing with his niece was dealing with his estate. And she told me the story that she had gone in the safe. He had a safe and he had a bunch of stuff in the safe and, and there was a couple of records. And she said she took the records out of the safe and put them in the top of a closet. That night she was laying in the bed and she said, that thought of that Elvis record popped in my head. She said, I wonder, 
because she had heard about it, but never seen the record. She got She said, I got up like three or four o'clock in the morning, went and got those records out of the top of the closet and started flipping through them. She said, the first thing I saw was a That's All Right Mama 78 Sun record that Elvis had autographed to Ed. Okay, that's the first thing she saw. Then she flipped it, and the next thing was My Happiness, the very first Elvis record. So Ed Leak had it his whole life. The family is who sold it. He never sold it. He kept it. That's how much it meant to him. And they sold it for $300,000, I think, in 2015 to Jack White, which lives here in Nashville, of the White Stripes, Jack White. And he paid $300,000 for it and then made replicas of it. I own a replica of it. But I just think that's a fascinating story. But see, the story of the planner and the house, you can't find those things unless you go to that house, unless you talk to Ed Leak's uh, uh, niece, unless you talk to Ed Leak, unless you talk. Go ahead, Trey. To Ronald Smith. And okay. Say is and, and because when you talk to Ronald Smith, then your story makes sense with Ed Leach. Because so that you're telling me, Billy, you're telling me by what you just said, Gladys Elvis's mama never heard the record. No, she never heard it. They did not own a record player. Yeah, they didn't, and we know that. We know they didn't own a record player. You know why? Because of the Jewish family that lived upstairs on Alabama Avenue gave them uh, Elvis his record player when they moved. Elvis was his Shabbat going. Uh -huh. And what that means is Jewish people on a certain days, uh, I guess it would be Sabbath. They cannot flip a light on. They can't now they can have lights flipped on, but they can't do it. And I was even told that they can't even communicate. They can't say, Hey, flip that light on for me. They can motion to flip the light on, but they can't say it. So Elvis was his Shabbat Goy, the, the Jewish family that lived upstairs with the two small children. And Elvis would do their stuff for them on that day. And to reward him, of course, they paid him for that. But the other thing that they did, and I think that that's probably how Elvis was able to afford that Lincoln, by the way, that 42 Lincoln Zephyr um, at that time. Because back then, man, money was hard to come by. And they couldn't have on their regular on Vernon's salary. They couldn't have afforded it. And he had that car before he was working. At you know he was working uh, part time at MB Parker. You know he worked for thirty days at MB Parker in uh, July and August of fifty four. I think it was July of fifty uh, fifty three. I should say. Um, but anyway, uh, that Jewish family left him that record player uh, when they moved, and that's a story told by those two little children that are now grown. So you see, it's all pieces. And the only way you get the pieces is you talk to everybody and get their part of the story and see if it fits together. But I want to say this, and then I want you to tell us about Ronald, okay? Somebody just yesterday, when I put the video up that I was talking about with uh, Bobby, uh, uh, Bobby Moore, uh, Scotty's wife, saying that Elvis... This was kind of the beginning of Elvis playing out and playing music. This person uh, wrote to me and said, oh, no, he was he was over at Club Handy. And he was over at um, at Meteor Records, which sent him over to Memphis Recording to record. And he was uh, playing at what's the uh, at Goodwin Institute. He was playing at Goodwin Institute. And I go, no, he wasn't. None of that is true. 
And how do we know that none of that is true? Because mm -hmm. we Tell us uh, about Ronald Smith. Yeah, Ronald Smith was there. Ronald Smith, <laughs> and it goes back to him at the Memphis recording, recording that record. Elvis was trying, guys, to become a singer. And there's fact and proof of that. Even a year earlier, a year and a half earlier, he's trying to get in bands in Memphis. Ronald Smith had a band, and Elvis knew that. And uh, Ronald met Elvis at a, a party. And I believe I believe that um, Elvis's um, future girlfriend, Barbara Hearn, was at the party. Barbara was real close to running, Ronald, Mr. Smith. And so anyway, they met at a party, hit it off, and Elvis wanted to join a band. And he would ask Ronald, hey, do you know any bands that are looking for a singer? They're looking for a singer. So one day, downtown on Main Street, during the um, Cotton Carnival, Cotton Carnival Parade down Maine, he saw he and Dixie ran into Ronald. He approached Ronald. Ronald said, "Elvis, tonight I am playing down on South Third at a place called the Hi Hat Club. You and Dixie come down there. I'll uh, talk Eddie to letting you come up on stage. Eddie Buns, who was running the show, I'll, I'll talk, uh, let Eddie uh, get you on up stage, let you uh, perform a few, and that's what happened." Dixie and Elvis go down to South Third to the Hi-Hat Club, just right up the street from Dixie's house, her neighborhood. And Elvis got on stage that night in 1950, what, 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 what? It 53. I believe it was like 53, maybe like early. Early 50. 54, possible. Okay. Yeah. And he said Elvis played three or four songs, did a real good job. And then Eddie sent him across the street to another club called Red's Place which was an old kind of army hangout and Elvis played at Reds. And that's where Eddie Bunn wanted to book Elvis Presley on South third street at Reds place to play Reds place. And Elvis didn't want to play Reds place. According to Ronald, he wanted to play the hi-hat club and Elvis turned Mr. Eddie down guys. We go to that location and we stand there or we show you where that happened. And it, and when you, and when you stand there and see this place, now the buildings aren't there. Unfortunately, history's still there, but like it does paint a photo, a picture, and then you start seeing Elvis a little more human like. And like, man, yeah, he was trying to get on buns. If he was asking around uh, uh, Ronald Smith, does he know any bands around town looking for a singer? That means that he was trying to perform. Then Ronnie, Ronald Smith, and Elvis play down on Main Street at a show. And, and that Elvis, was at the Universal Life uh, Insurance Building. Insurance Building. And Elvis performed in front of an audience and said he was scared to death. Ronald said that he dropped his he dropped his guitar on stage. <laughs> and Ronald said, I helped him pick it up. And, you know, and it we, was a borrowed guitar. Yeah. We're not going to tell any more on that because you got to join us. But it, we know it was a borrowed guitar. And it was stolen. Ronald Smith told us whose guitar it was, <laughs> how it got stolen. Where it was stolen at. And who stole it? Who stole right. it? And Elvis performed with it and didn't know it was stolen. That's right. And that Ronald Smith even went in detail. It was said, a Martin guitar. He said before mm -hmm. they went on stage, he remembered them hanging out by a Pepsi Cola machine. And they were going over songs that they were going to perform. Hey, do you know how to play this? Do you know how to play that? And that's how they did it. And then they went. And th so that probably right there was Elvis's first performance. As, as far as a a show 
right? Yeah, as far as going and doing a show, that's right. So let's talk. So I want to bring up something. I was talking about how we myth busted and all that kind of stuff. So let's talk about how you ended up with Ronald Smith. The answer to that is Ronald Smith's name showed up in Peter Gorelnik's book, Last Train to Memphis, which if you want to know Elvis history, get it. It's 98 to 99% factual. It's absolutely fabulous. He did his homework. It is out of the out of this world fantastic. Ronald is in that. Uh, uh, Peter Grelnick, he did not boss it up. No, he did not. Then Ronald's name shows up in Dixie's new book. Dixie's book. So guess what Trey did? He said, who's this Ronald Smith? And he went and found him. I went and found him. And I hung out with him. We went to a a cool little uh, diner. And we just sat there and talked. And I asked him, you know, you know me, I asked him a lot of questions. And I said, hey, Mr. Smith, would you ride around with me tomorrow? And show me these places in Memphis. Well, sure, Trey. That's <laughs> it, you know. And he did. And man, it's just so cool because he had not been back to his neighborhood in a long time. And I just remember Billy, and I tell you guys on the on the tour, and he's like, Well, I'll be. What in the world happened here? This that this was mm-hmm. his neighborhood, and he could not believe how in disarray that the uh the the streets were now, and you know, his his old home. That has a very cool Elvis story. We're not going to talk about it here. But we'll show you where the house is and also a story of what happened with Ronald Smith and Elvis on the The tour. The stump that his dad put out front, cement. uh, It's not a stump. It's like a a pole. Yeah, but it's like right there on the beginning of the staircase. Yeah, it's on either side of the stairs. His dad put those there. Yeah. That's where Ronald was sitting at, where this history happened once upon a time. You know, yeah. I mean, we're going to go park there and uh, uh, we'll tell you the story there. Hey, guys, and Billy, uh, there's one lucky uh, tour. I called Mr. Smith and I let him tell y'all the story. That's true. Mm-hmm. You know, so sometimes that happens. Yeah. We called him. And the, the thing is, is Ronald opened up because you reached out to these people. You talked to Ronald, you talked to Buzzy Forbes, mm-hmm. you talked to um, Farley Guy. That opened up a lot of history. Eyewitness testimony of things that happened right around that little I talk, center of attention. I haven't right put there. this out yet, but we talk about it because of Ronald. I met another girl that dated Elvis and learned some more stories and the locations of those stories in Memphis, which is all in the same little neighborhood where Elvis is growing up. And uh, Elvis walked her back to the house one night. And I think might have got him his, got him his kiss. Mm-hmm. But uh, I found that lady. And she was a fascinating interview, which I, I'll uh, have a future episode of Glow Trotting with Trey. But that's because of Ronald Smith. And like I said earlier, when you talk to one person, about five, six, seven, you may learn about, hey, you, you know what, Trey? You need to talk to my friend. Uh, he uh, has a lot of um, times that he he uh, saw Elvis out on the streets and at a diner or somewhere. Um, here's his number. And then I'll call that guy up. And he's probably 85 years old, 86. But, you know, um, so usually they're happy to tell their stories. And what happens is because of all these different stories and all these different angles and different things, we're able to, to tell you a story and create a timeline and bring the, the history back to life. That's the whole point of this thing is taking you to a place and telling you what happened there. And after a while, you'll start kind of getting a feeling of, of who this person was, this Elvis Presley. 
um, and how his life happened, who he was before he was famous, who he was after he was famous. We touch on all the different eras and all the different things that happened. Um, it's just, it's a fascinating story. And the more we dig, the more we find uh, interesting people, interesting stories. Um, just, I mean, there's so many amazing stories. I've got a guy that I'm getting ready to interview that sold Elvis the Yellow Pantera. The mm. one that he said Elvis shot. This guy sold him the car. And I have another guy that I've just recently, someone sent me some information of a lady, and I shouldn't say a guy, it's actually a lady that was in Los Angeles and Elvis pulled up beside her in this car. She was with her mother and it was, a, she said it was just as ugly as car I'd ever seen. It was hideous. And I thought that meant that it was ugly, but no, what she was talking about it was, it was just what I'm saying is it was beat up or something like that. No, it was a brand new car. It was that crazy, um, uh, that new Cadillac. It was it a Deville, the one like he bought for Ginger. Oh, okay. And it was two tone, and she thought it was just hideous looking. Yeah, yeah. So they followed him. They realized it was Elvis and followed him, and she tore a a thing out of her mother's checkbook and got Elvis to sign it, and she shows the autograph. How cool. you know. And she says where she followed him to, where he was buying cars from. And it was a, um, uh, I think it was on uh, uh, Wilshire Boulevard. I think it was on uh, where he was going and he was buying used cars from this place. Yeah, so okay. that day he had bought a couple of Cadillacs. And so when you hear that story and you find that place, then I started searching for that place. Well, next thing I find the story and actually a friend of mine sent me a lot of this information, but I find the story where this guy talks about Elvis buying cars from him and actually showing receipts of the cars that they bought from this dealership and of like two Cadillacs in one day and things like that, where Elvis had bought and the actual receipts. So as you start digging, all these stories start popping out and all these different angles. And, um, and it just, it, but it's the exponential study of it all and the exponential look at it. So when we're on this tour, what we're trying to do is show you all the different pieces of the puzzle and kind of show you what we believe was Elvis's thought process as he went from being a poor person that was unknown to being a very rich, famous person that was so well known he couldn't walk down the street mm -hmm. and what that transition was like and what he was thinking. We take you to the house where he uh, bought his first motorcycle. And then show you where we believe he would learn to ride his motorcycle and ended up seeing the next house he ended up owning. And then when he was living at that house, he was driving his motorcycle and saw lions in front of a house that ended up in front of Graceland and just kind of painting that whole picture. And guys, and I, Billy does a really good job at this. You actually see it for yourself. And what I mean is, as we go along on our tour, I think this is part two, I'm talking about this section. But you, you start to realize and why Elvis lived here and then why he moved there. You're like, oh, OK, it, it, it like <clears throat> before your eyes, you're going to understand it just by riding with us because we're going to point this stuff out. And you're going to be like, you know what? This makes sense. This makes sense. And I can see that because it's like, why, why, why did he go from that part of town to right here? Oh, because he was living there. Right. Interesting. And I have a, a thing I call it geographic forensics. 
Yeah. And that is you go to places and then you go to the next place and the next place and the next place. And after a while, it kind of starts becoming puzzle pieces that fill in and you start going, oh, mm-hmm. so that's how he ended up in this part of town. And that's how he ended up there and how this happened and how this happened and that person. And it all just starts making sense. It's it's and, and we call it the pieces of the Elvis puzzle. They start falling into place. And the tour for me, and I, I think for you too as well, Trey, is all these puzzle pieces falling into place. While we're doing it, when we started putting it together, I was like, man, can we make this work where we go from place to place to place to place to place to place, and it tells a story and it all fits together? And the answer is yes. And it was almost like it was meant to be because it it really just kind of just worked out. What, what would you say about that? Would you say that's accurate? Oh, I thought Trey was deep in thought and he's frozen. So I'm going to keep on talking. <laughs> he looks like Johnny Depp there frozen. I bet his internet went down. So uh, what I was talking about was uh, when we were looking at, for instance, he ended up for a good part of his life, he lived within like one mile to two miles. He lived there and then went to high school. All of that is real, real close together. I mean, just everything is just like boom, boom, boom. And it's all real on top of each other. Then, uh, and I'm going to pull this down till he pops back up. Um, then he um, ended up in a completely different part of town. And we think that that was related to an event that happened in that part of town and him wanting to do something nice for his mother. Then he ended up in another part that's really close to that part and then started, and that was kind of a a more well-to-do area. And then he did things there. And Trey mentioned earlier, June Juanico, and he mentioned Pat Napier. Pat actually tells the story, and Trey actually uh, got to talk to June as well. But Pat tells the story of, when uh, her and June came to Memphis and ended up uh, staying at, at one of Elvis's houses and going to the movie with him and the things that happened at the movie theater, we take you there. So there's all these different things that we've learned from all these different people. We're not listening to one person. We're taking an exponential study of the whole thing, all the different pieces to the puzzle, and we're putting them all together to tell this giant story that is um, just tied up for lack of thank a, you, thank you very much. That means we have three minutes left, and I'm waiting for Trey to cut back, and we'll we'll finish up. We may run a little over since he's uh, had his internet is locked up or something. Um, but we part of this tour is all the things that we've learned over the years. I've been studying the Elvis story and reading about it since 1977. Uh, Trey has been uh, reading about it and studying it for about 12 years since college. And all of those things together and all the people that we've interviewed and all the, the, the different pieces, I could tell you this, you cannot learn this story quickly for one thing, and you can't learn it from one person. You have to learn it from all these different people and bringing all those things together in one place. And that's what Trey and I are trying to do is bring all the information into one spot 
so you can understand it. And so we both interviewed different people. He's interviewed people I haven't interviewed. I've interviewed people he hasn't interviewed. But between us, we've created or come up with all kinds of discoveries and people that nobody's ever heard from. The interview that I did with Bobby Moore, Scotty's wife, I've never heard an interview with Bobby Moore. She was the lady that opened the door and let Elvis in for his first audition with Scotty Moore. That lady needed to be on camera. I went to her house and knocked on her door and asked her to tell her story. And Trey has done the same. And we just want you to know that we do a three-hour tour. We do it in August and we do it in January. The website is memphisbustour.com. Make sure that you jump on there and uh, check the bus tour out. Um, and we invite you to come. We do Elvis Advanced Tour 1, Elvis Advanced Tour 2. If you've done the tours before, it's going to be similar, but we're always learning new pieces and new things that we're going to add in. Plus, it's fun. It's all like-minded people. All of us are interested in this story. We're all on the same vehicle. We're going to go to these places and tell these stories and learn all of it together. And I'm going to put you, and Trey's going to put you, ground zero of Elvis history, the places he actually was, the things that he did, the people that he saw, the interactions, stories all over Memphis. And it's six hours total. And as Trey mentioned earlier, a lot of times we run over because we're so excited to tell the stories. We want you to see everything that you could see and learn everything that you can learn. That way, it is fun for all of us every single time. We enjoy doing it. Is it exhausting? Yes. Talking for six hours a day is really, really, really hard and driving the bus and finding the spots, but it's a labor of love. We've done it now for, I think we've done it uh, maybe four times. It may be three times. If Trey would pop back up, evidently his internet went out or he lost power or something. So I'm going to wrap this one up. Thank you so much, friends, for uh, coming. Make sure that you check out uh, Trey, Trey's channel, Globetrotting with Trey, or my channel, The Spa Guy on YouTube. If you want to know about Elvis and you want to know about the real Elvis, not the cliche things that people are doing, and Trey's back, but if you want to know about the real Elvis and not the things that people are doing where they're taking a little snippet out of, of real Elvis content that they don't own and going, can you believe Elvis said this? They're not doing that because they're wanting you to learn Elvis history. They're doing that because they want clicks. That's the only reason. They're stealing Elvis content and they're doing it for clicks. And Trey, I just kind of filled in the blanks there and invited them to uh, memphisbustour.com and okay. told them to come do that. So I'm going to let you wrap it up. We're over, but uh, you were gone there for two or three minutes. So yeah. you had a little Johnny Depp look, and I thought you were in deep thought. And then I, I wanted you to comment, and you just never moved. So <laughs> I, was, yeah. I, had somebody, <laughs> I had somebody on Bill Street come up to me. It was real funny. He's like, man, I thought you were Johnny Depp. And I was like, I am. <laughs> I, I, I'm Johnny Depp. I like Johnny Depp. But anyway, um, yeah. Billy, I, I feel like if if you're an Elvis Presley fan, going back to what I said at the beginning of the show, you will love joining us on this three-hour tour. I mean, it's fun. 
and you see, I mean, I'm telling you, if you do part one and part two both together, you may see 70 or 80 locations. Right, Billy? A lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. I, I'm just other history too, not just Elvis. And not just There's Elvis. Other history. But it's it's you know, it's mostly Memphis Elvis. history. It is yeah. Memphis history along the way that we pass, and we'll tell that history as well that we have found. And the best part is the people that have already done this tour, I've already found five other locations. Mm -hmm. so we're able now to add these as we go along. So the tour is not always the same because now it's different things added. Uh, uh, to tell our story uh, of the locations that we take you to. And, uh, but yeah, I believe that if you're really want to learn about the real guy and about Elvis and learn other people's perspective outside of the regular people, you know, of, then I think this is the tour for you. And the other thing is uh, they, um, uh, we, like you said, they the things we're we're finding new locations all the time. That's one thing. Plus, locations are getting gone. There's one location that we show you that's actually just being torn down, literally right now. Literally, yeah. get what I had no idea it was going to be torn down. The next time we go, it's going to be gone. It's going to be gone. Which is, hopefully, it's terrible. Hopefully, when we go uh, the next in August, maybe maybe that whole area, nothing will be there. Maybe like it'll it'll just be that the land. Maybe. Yeah. And that was a place that Elvis played as a kid. Yeah. And that was proven to you or told to you by Farley Guy and two of the friends. I mean, that was yeah. their hangout. It's their hangout area. That lived there. Yeah. That lived there. That lived there. Yeah. And what I was going to say is we've had people that have been on the tour one and two that have done it again because it is fun. It's like minded people. We're all there for the same reason. We all have the same interest. And it's fun to interact and learn with other people that are like-minded that are enjoying the same thing that you enjoy. Everybody doesn't want the minutia of Elvis. If you don't want the minutia of Elvis, this tour is not for you. Um, if you want to know the, the details, the minutia, the things that nobody else thinks about our tour is the tour MemphisBusTour.com. Don't miss it. Friends. We will be doing that August, 2023. This is 2023. And uh, if the Lord willing and the creek don't rise, we'll be doing it January 2024, August 2024. So make sure that you go there now, www.memphisbustour.com. Go there now. Go there now. Get that ticket while it lasts.